bit of setup happening there. Um, welcome, welcome to Christian Life Fellowship, um, especially to those who are new here and we haven't seen here before. So we, we welcome you here, and, um, but not just us welcoming you here, it is God who welcomes us in his presence and what a privilege it is for us to be able to gather together in his presence because of his will and by him allowing us to be here. Let us uh, read 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 to 18. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who was from the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be astonished, brothers and sisters, that the world hates you. We knew that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Whoever does not love abides in death. All who hate a brother or sister are murderers, and you know that murderers do not have eternal life abiding in them. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. Let us bow our heads in prayer as we commit our minds and our hearts to God's word this morning. Almighty God, we come before you, Father, as the source of love and the source of grace. We thank you for all that you do for us, Father. We thank you that even though we are dead in our sins, Lord, or were made dead in our sins, that we're made alive through Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that this congregation and all who come in here encounter you. And we thank you that it is your will for us to encounter you and to get to know you, Father. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and I pray that your message is spread to everyone's hearts here, not by my words, but by your spirit. Thank you for all that you do for us. In your precious son's name I pray. Amen. So my, my university degree, it's actually in counselling. Um, and I did not pursue a career in counselling after I finished my degree, but nonetheless, I very much enjoyed my studies. And I enjoyed them because I love understanding human behaviour. There's just something about me that is very much drawn to psychology and human behaviour. And so from uni, I learnt more from a theoretical perspective, not so much um, hands-on. And then my experience of human behaviour came from my current pr profession right now. Now, one component of my studies was family therapy. And the amazing thing about families is just how complex they are. We cannot ever look at any family and say that there's anything easy about being a family. We have individuals, we have parents who come together with their own baggage, and then children come along and they develop their own baggage within that equation, and then this carries on throughout our lives. 
Now, the family unit, from a therapy perspective at least, it's seen as a system, a living and breathing organism, whereby each family member and extended family member are connected in some way. Now, when parts of that system break down, then the rest doesn't work properly. Now, the system can be healthy, where goodness is promoted, or there can be negativity and dysfunction in a family. Now, a major source of dysfunction in families, it's across the board, in my opinion, it's conflict. As long as there is conflict, the family does not function well. And the individuals in that family carry that with them. They carry that negativity around with them, which can impact the rest of the family significantly. Now today, as you've seen in my scripture, I want to talk about love. And I want to talk about love because from a biblical perspective, it is so important for us to grasp and grapple with constantly. This idea of love is so significant and profound that it impacts us as individuals and as a community of believers. This idea of love is, is not fluffy or soft in any way, not even corny. I think we've romanticized love where it's just such a feeling. It's all about feeling and um, it's all about romance. But those who have been together for a long time know that romance doesn't sustain a relationship. It's the core of love that actually sustains that relationship. So we, so we cannot view love as Christians as a fluffy or soft notion. It's one of the warmest words in the English language and I feel that in some way we can all conceptualise what love is, whether we've seen it through the expression of our parents' love or expressed our parents' love to our children or even just experience someone caring for us deeply. Now, today, I don't want to get stuck into the definitions of love. The Old Testament and the New Testament, they have very specific words that they use for love. Uh, the Old Testament uses the word... ...which re refers to... God uses it in Jeremiah 31.3, I have told you with an everlasting love, Ahava, that therefore I continued my faithfulness to you, Chesed. The New Testament uses two words and they interchange frequently within uh, portions of scripture. And that's agape referring to God's unconditional love and phileo referring to tender affection such as a, to, a family or a to a family or a friend. But I don't want to get stuck philosophizing as to the meanings of his words. Like a jeweler scrutinizes a gem, there are so many different facets when they scrutinize a gem in the sunlight, they see all the different facets of that jewel. And the same is with love, that it is so broad and different facets to it and there's too much to explore just in one sermon. But today I want to explore love that is manifested in the community of believers. We see in Scripture, in the New Testament at least, how important love is to a community of believers. In 1 Corinthians 13, a very famous passage that we hear at weddings, even others um, use it very much so to describe what love is. Love is kindness, patience, 
Um, I'm not going to go into it. But the reason why that's so significant in the Corinthian church was just the amount of conflict that was happening in that church. And the conflict was around spirituality. The conflict was around uh, brothers and sisters suing each other. There was, there was beyond that, a lot of conflict happening. And so Paul has to address this. And he sees that even spiritual gifts aren't as important as love. And he also, in chapter 3 to the Ephesian church, he has a prayer. And in 3.17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. He goes on in verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Paul's exhortation to the Ephesians, it wasn't to an unbelieving church. This is a believing, believing church, and yet they still needed to be reminded of the importance of love. He mentions it in almost all his letters because he sees it as such a valued asset, or not asset, as such a valued component of being a believer in a community. So we can't be arrogant as believers to ever say that we've mastered love. But we need to continue to check ourselves and allow love to be the predominant force in our community. Now in the ancient world, when the gospel was being spread, you had people from different religions, pagan religions, Jewish religions, people who had nothing at all come together and what they brought with them was different belief systems, different ways of living. But they, brought with, but they came to this umbrella of the gospel of Christ. And what happened with that? Well, they had to get along. Well, they didn't have to. But the gospel told them that they had to get along because the love that they received had to be manifested amongst themselves. They needed to understand love and its importance to Christian living. And so do we in our present times as well. When preparing for this sermon, I didn't think a topic like this would be so complicated, but it is. It's beyond our understanding because as we'll see, it's the very nature of God. So my goal today is not for us to be experts in love. However, we need to grapple with this topic over and over and over and understand how important it is to us as believers and the implications it has on us. Love is important because we are recipients of love from God and this should leave an imprint on us. Love is the ultimate test of discipleship. We will see in John, love is not just a requirement of fellowship, but a test of salvation. And we will see this in the upcoming scriptures we look at. So we look at 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 to 18. So verse 11, For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who was from the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Verse 11 starts off by saying that we should love one another. Now, the way John goes to describe this love is he talks about Cain and Abel from Genesis 4 where, where Cain murders his son Abel out of hatred towards him. 
Now, John uses this example not just because of hatred, but it's an example of a family having hatred towards each other. And looking at the sin of Cain and his actions, it says here they come from the evil one. Hatred comes from the evil one. Now, one might say, I don't hate my brother or sister, but I don't like them, or I have a negative view about them. And then conflict is a, is a slippery slope. If not addressed and allowing this to cultivate in our hearts and fester, it's going to lead to hatred. God warned Cain about this before he committed his sin. So by drawing on this relationship between Cain and Abel, John focuses on the breakdowns within relationships and believers within a church. Cain, by hating his brother, has shown in his heart his spiritual condition. One not to be of God's love and his true nature of his spiritual being was dead because Yahweh's love was not present in him anymore. Verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Whoever does not love abides in death. A believer that hates a brother or sister is comparable to Cain's actions. And according to John here, they don't have eternal life. Salvation doesn't exist in them when hatred is in their heart. Now we have a definition in verse 16. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, referring to Jesus, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. John goes on to say that this is what love is. Jesus laid down his life and we ought to lay down our lives for others. Now what does this mean? Does it mean that I have to die for you? Is it, is it that extreme? Is it, is, is it something really dramatic? And I don't think John is here necessarily talking about an act of heroism towards our brothers or sisters. But he explains in verse 17, and it appears to be so anticlimactic in my point of view, but here's, here's what he says about it. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? It appears to me here that, verse 17, that we are to care for one another, assisting each other with our basic needs, whether that's physical, spiritual, emotional, but ultimately doing the little things becomes a big thing. And if divine love is not in us, then the simplicity of caring for one another becomes difficult. If we see a brother or sister in need, in verse 18, little children, let us not love in speech, but in word and action. Our expression of love is not by how much I tell you I love you. I can tell my wife I love her heaps, which I do. But if she doesn't experience that from me, then she's not going to know I love her. If you don't experience from me that I love you, you're not going to know that I love you. It is God who generates this love in us by what Jesus did on the cross. 
God's love for us is the source of the ability to first love him, but it also gives us the ability to love our others. And when we succumb to God and allow God's love to manifest in us, it stops being a chore. When God is working this love in us, it's not hard for me to care for anyone really. And John continues in chapter 4, verse 7. And once again he says, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. We are told again, to love one another. This is the message of John's three books, but once again, we are told to love one another because it is God who defines love to the believer, not the other way around. One of God's attributes is love. The very source of his being is love. And Richard Strauss, he identifies God's love as self-giving, sacrificial, unconditional, eternal, holy, comforting and life-changing. There are so many different facets to God and his love. And we have come to know God through his love. And we see in verse 8 that if we do not love, we do not actually know God. What a hard thing to comprehend. If we do not love, we do not actually know God. In verse 9 to 10, It says, God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. He sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Once again, John gives us the definition of love. Is Jesus dying on that cross? And we understand this as believers to be the epitome of what love is. And why? Why do we believe is to be the epitome of love? The Bible talks about us being subject to the wrath of God because of our sinful state. And we cannot accept or we cannot get away from that wrath unless we come to Christ. This very act of dying on the cross is the highest love for God because it restores us back to him. A people destined to experience wrath are given the opportunity to get to know the Heavenly Father again. For no other reason than God out of love wills that for us. Our lives as believers is to reflect this, not just to those who don't believe, but especially to those who do believe this. Love is not known to us by God, by us loving God. But we know God's love because he loved us first. Those who claim to be recipients of God's love and grace must therefore love others. Our conduct in church amongst our communities, no matter where we are, is to be the love that reflects Christ living within us. In Ephesians Chapter 3, verse 17, Paul says, And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, 
as you are being rooted and grounded in love. The word here used by Paul, by Christ, by Christ dwelling in our hearts, is about Christ taking residence in our hearts. Not a visitor that comes in and leaves, but one who lives in there and one who manifests his, his love and leads us. In John chapter 4, verse 12, a sign of God's continual dwelling in us is love for one another. And that divine love matures as Christians practice that love towards one another. It's our responsibility as Christians to love one another. And that can only be manifested in the truest sense if Christ takes residence in our hearts. Verses 20 to 21. Sorry. 19 to 21. And we love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. If we can't love a being or a sibling that we see, how do we love an invisible God? Our society is so performance-based that we feel accepted or loved when we perform to someone else's satisfaction. And we sometimes do the same thing. If they please us, we love them. If they don't, we struggle to love them. Yet God doesn't operate this way. One of our greatest needs as human beings is love. We need love to function healthily. If we do not experience love or have no love, we're we're missing something. And we seek to obtain it in other ways. But the good news is that God loves us beyond our understanding. The church's love should be shaped by God's love and not just our individual views of what love is. I spoke about families being a, a system or a living organism. Our family, our family of believers is the exact same thing. We may not be connected by necessarily blood, but we're connected by something so much more deeper than that. And we come into this family by being adopted into it by God because it's his family and he's brought us into his family. And we bring all this baggage into this family, different individuals. However, we're all united by the same grace. Knowing God's love leads to a satisfied love, life, as God's love gives us worth. Knowing God and God's love, it changes us and it should change us. As I said in the beginning, love is not a fluffy notion. It is, has nothing to do with rom- romance, but it's something deep and solid. In Romans 38, 8, 38 to 39, this is how deep God's love is for us. 
And Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, not nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing that can separate us from this love. That is how solid it is. It's easy for us to separate ourselves from others because of lack of love. But God does not separate himself from us out of lack of love. When we allow Christ to take residence in our heart, we make this love a reality and it becomes real amongst us. This grace that was bestowed on us is a gift. It's one where now I get to know who I am truly before God. But better than that, I get to know who God is. How can anyone get to know who God is if love doesn't exist? The very being of who he is must be present here and made a reality. The only way that can happen is when we allow that to happen and when we make that a reality in ourselves. So I pray as CLF goes forward, no matter what the future holds, that we are always grappling with love. And we're grappling it with it because we've received the highest love possible and therefore that should be given to everyone else, especially in a community who believe in this love. May the Lord bless his word. Let's bow our heads in prayer.